to come together and open up your word and, and seek you in it, Lord. I pray that you would uh, strengthen us and encourage us and bless us here today as we open up the scriptures and that you would speak just life to us. And uh, let it be refreshing as we spend time together. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We talked about all things <clears throat> being made new uh, last Wednesday. I'm up again. Last Wednesday, we talked about all things um, being new, being made new. And, uh, and now we're talking about, that's fine, um, the new Jerusalem. And we're going to talk about the new Jerusalem. And we find ourselves in verse 9. That's where we are at. <laughs> that's where we are at. So much I want to say, but you know, we've been through so much, right, together. We started with 40-something. <laughs> One, two, three. All right, here you go. Um, Revelation 21.9, it says, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me and said, Come, and I will show you the bride and the lamb's wife. So we see here that an angel now comes to um, John, and he tells him, Come, I'm going to show you the bride. I'm going to show you the wife of the lamb. Obviously, when it's speaking about the lamb here, We've already seen in Revelation and throughout Scripture that the Lamb is none other than who? Yeah, it's none other than Jesus Christ. So he's showing uh, John this Lamb, and he invites him to come and see uh, the bride of Christ, the bride of this Lamb. So, so let's see what he shows him here in verse 20. And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain, and he showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. He carried me away in the spirit to a mountain, a high, a great and high mountain. Now, this is interesting. The angel comes to him, and in order for John to see the holy city, the new Jerusalem, I want you to see this. There was a couple of things that happened here. Number one, we see that John, in the physical here, was carried away by the spirit. So, so the angel had to carry him away in the spirit. So, what does that mean? What, does, what is John trying to show us in Revelation chapter 21, verse 10? That the revelation of the new Jerusalem that the angel was going to show John was actually a spiritual revelation. I'm going to show you something that is in another spiritual world, okay? Something that is from eternity. So he's taking them in the spirit. That, that's one thing that we could see because he says he carried me away in the spirit, John says. And then number two, what is another thing that you could see in this passage? Anyone want to go ahead and, and shoot it out? What's another obvious thing? Anyone? There's a mountain there. And it's a great high mountain. So the second thing is, yes, number one, spiritual revelation. But number two, he's taken to a mountain. Yes, that is great. Yes, that it's high. Okay, we would call that mountain what Scripture calls Mount. Anyone know the name of that mountain? We would call it Mount Zion. What is this Mount Zion? It's the highest pinnacle. It's the highest part. It's the most, it's the, the, it's it. It's where it's at. And that is the highest part in God's kingdom. Uh, if you're taking notes there, you could write uh, where it talks about this Mount Zion in Revelation chapter 14. In Revelation 14 verses 1 through 5 actually, it talks about that. Okay? So, so you could see that in those passages. So it's very interesting uh, uh, how, we, how we see uh, he's taken up to this mountain. And it says here 
and he showed me the holy city Jerusalem. And what was this holy city Jerusalem doing? As, as, as he goes up to this mountain, as the spirit is taking him, it's doing what? It's descending. It's basically coming down upon John. It's coming down. And how is it descending? Descending from where? From, yeah, from heaven. Out of heaven from God especially, right? Now, John, no doubt, was here looking and he's like, all right, the bride, the woman, the wife of the lamb. And as he's looking, he's probably, I don't know what he's thinking. He's probably thinking, well, I'm going to look at a woman. The angel's going to send me to go look at this lady, at this woman who is this bride, this lamb has a bride. My Jesus in eternity found a woman. Like, so think about just, I don't know what John was going through in his mind. But as he's going up by the Spirit, taking him up to his mountain, he's thinking he's going to see this woman there. But instead, it's very interesting. He sees a holy city instead coming down. And as it's coming down, you could almost see he sees now a city instead. What an amazing revelation this is. It's not necessarily a woman that the angel is talking about. It's a what? It's a city that is the bride or that is the woman of God. It's the bride of Christ. It's the, the, okay, what am I trying to say? The bride of Christ is the holy city. What do I mean by that? It's not necessarily the walls, but it's the what? The people that make up the holy city. It's the people within it that is the beautiful woman of God. For example, when we say, come to our church, yes, in our mind we say, come to these four walls. But in reality, the church is not these four walls because we all know that we could leave here today. This place could catch on fire tonight. And on Sunday, we have to show up here in the park and I say, all right, come on, guys. We're going to go to the park real quick and sing some songs and preach in the park. Because we're not going to stop having church because of four walls burned down. Because we know that the true church is never four walls, a stage, an altar, cameras, lights, smoke machines, any of that. That's never the church. The church is always what? The people that are found in it. So when John sees the city... Check out that revelation. It's the people that are within that city, just like the people that are within the church. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. The holy city Jerusalem, the overcoming church, is the eternal dwelling place of God. All, I mean, all of the things that John describes about the holy city that we're about to read, it's glory. We're going to talk about this. It's brilliance. I mean, the walls, the gates... The stones, they're actually depictions of the glorified church of God in her eternal state. It's profound when you read it. So, so let's get into this. Ready? Look at verse 11 with me. Hey, if you guys ever get to heaven, you want to see how it's going to look? You want to see how you're going to look like? This is it, man. This is your chance. Right here. Here's your makeover. No wonder. It says this in verse 11. Having the glory of God... Her light, her light was like a most precious stone. It was like jasper stone, clear as crystal. Uh, we could just stop right there. So when we see that she shone with the glory of God, it's brilliance. It was like, another translation says, was of a very precious jewel, like jasper, clear of crystal. What do you think that's showing us about the church? What do you think that's showing us? That the church is what? When you, when you think of brilliance and you think of precious jewel and jasper and clear as crystal, uh, the church that makes up this new Jerusalem, it's, it's, a, it's a what? It's a what people? Anyone want to take a shot? She's what? She's what? She's shiny. She's radiant. She's brilliant. She's beautiful. 
I'm looking for a word. See if any of you get it. She's glorified. She, so, so we know that there's a glory about eternity. She's glorious. She's shining with, with, very, uh, uh, with the very glory of God. Um, little sub-notes for your, for your notes. Ephesians 5.27 teaches us that. Uh, another one that Paul writes is in 2 Corinthians 3.18. It teaches us about our glory, about the radiance and about the shining within God's very own glory that we one day will dwell in. It talks about that in Ephesus, to the church of Ephesus, to the church of Corinth. Paul mentions that. We're going to see later on in Revelation, uh, as we will go back and forth, and especially in verse 18 and 21, how uh, it says here that the wall and the street and the river of the New Jerusalem, it's clear, it's almost as transparent um, there's an important truth there about the people that make up the New Jerusalem, and there's an important truth that is found here, that God's saints, God's people that are in the New Jerusalem, they are pure. It's like they're transparent. They have a what? A clear conscience. They have a pure heart. There is no hidden sin. There is no impurity. There is no darkness. Now, let's stop for a second. Can you imagine a world without sin, without impurity, without darkness, without, without anything that is hidden? Everything is what? Revealed, open, pure, transparent, beautiful, and there's nothing to hide. Where do most of our stresses come from? Where do most of our, um, our convictions and our condemnation, it comes from things that we hide. But in heaven, everything's pure. Everything's beautiful. Everything's precious. Everything's clear. Impurity and darkness, hidden sin, everything is just done with. And that's what John is going to see in these verses. Look at verse 12. Look at verse 12. It says, um, Also she had a great and high wall with 12 gates, 12 angels at the gates, and names written on them. These are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. So they had a great high wall. The new Jerusalem that you and I will one day live in will have a great high wall. Why do you think this eternal city has a great high wall? What do walls do? Protect. Another word that I love is prevents. Now, what does it protect? What does it prevent? What, or can we use the word prohibit? What does it prohibit? Anything what? Well, look at the verse that we just read. Everything is pure. Everything is clear. Everything is, um, nothing is hidden. All impurity and darkness is gone. So these great walls of this holy city, they're prohibiting anything that is what? Dark. Anything that is impure from entering into God's kingdom, anything that will enter to pollute it or defile this holy place will not be able to enter. It is a place of eternal peace, eternal pureness. Amen? Had a great high wall, and that's what walls are made for. Um, sub note there, we'll get there ooh, sometime in the, in the near future. Not too far. Revelation 21 27, as you look at that great high wall, we could look, we'll look later on at Revelation 21, 27. But now look at this wall. Within it were 12 gates and then 12 angels at these gates. I want you to notice this repeated, it's just this occurrence of numbers, 12, right? 12, 12, 12, in the New Jerusalem, there's 12 gates, 12 angels. And, and, and then the 12 names are the 12 what? Anyone know? The 12, not the 12 apostles. What did we say they were? 
The 12 what? Tribes, Tribes of Israel, Jacob's sons, right? So, so everything works with these 12. And then and we're going to read now, there's going to be 12 precious stones and 12 pearls. And, and, and he works with 12. Um, and, and it's amazing um, how God works with that. Because in the New Testament, we also see that he had 12 what? What do you have in the New Testament? Jesus. He had the, yeah, 12 disciples, the apostles. So it's very interesting the numbering that God uses. Hey, have you guys read this? What verse are we on? Yeah, it's pretty cool. I don't know. I just thought it was cool. All right. It says, now on the gates were, I just thought it was cool. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. So we're on verse 12 talking about all these 12s. So we see these gates, the 12 tribes of Israel. So there's no reason for us uh, not to take this literally. Israel, the physical descendants of Abraham in the Old Testament, okay? God's covenant people. Me and Tyrone were just talking about God's covenant people in, in the office, weren't we? And that's what it's talking about here. They occupy a prominent place in God's eternal kingdom. Okay? When you look at this description in Revelation 21.12, it sounds a lot like um, Ezekiel 48. And in Ezekiel 48, verse 30 through 34. Can I read it to you guys real quick? And if you're writing notes, write that. It's not going to come up there probably, but you could, you could write this down. Ezekiel 48, 30 through 34. You tell me if it sounds like Revelation 21, 12. Here we go. These will be the exits of the city. Wow, he has it. On the north side, measuring 4,500 cubits. Verse 31. And the gates of the city shall be named after the 12 tribes of Israel. The three gates northward, and one gate of Reuben, one gate of Judah, one gate of Levi... Now, those are the tribes, by the way, guys. Those are the sons of Jacob who became the 12 tribes. Levi, Reuben, Judah, Benjamin, Dan. You see this? On the east side, 4,500 cubits. Three gates. On one side for Joseph. That's one of his other sons. Benjamin, the gate of Dan. Keep going. On the south side, 4,500 cubits. Notice the measurements. All the same. It's a perfect cube like we talked about last week, I think it was. Three gates. One for Simeon, one for Issachar, and the other one for Zebulun. So you see all the, bro all the brothers. On the west side, 4,500 cubits again, with three other gates, so that's about 12 now. One gate for Gad, the other one for Asher, and the other one for Naphtali. Pretty interesting, okay? So here is Ezekiel in the Old Testament in chapter 48 describing exactly what John is describing in Revelation chapter 21, verse 12. You can't make this stuff up. Like it's almost, it's to the, it's to the brim, isn't it? It's, it's, it's like exact. It's perfect. It's amazing if you ask me. Okay, pretty awesome. So let's keep going here. And then it goes on in verse 13. And what does it say here? It says three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, three gates on the west. Three gates. Notice what we just read in Ezekiel 48. What did he say in every side? Three gates there, three gates there, three gates there, three gates there. Can I ask you guys a question? See if anyone remembers what we talked about. It was last week. We might have even mentioned it the week before. Why do you think there are gates? If we're going to live in the New Jerusalem, in God's presence, we're never going to want to leave there. Why do you think there are gates, three in the north, three in the south, three in the east, three in the west? Why are there gates there? In the New Jerusalem. 
Why are there gates? Anyone know? It's okay if you don't. Well, there's still not only a New Jerusalem, what else is there in eternity? The New Jerusalem is not the only thing that is in eternity. The eternal kingdom is not just the New Jerusalem. What else is in the New Jerusalem? Oh, this one you guys should know. We have the New Jerusalem, the New Heaven, and the New Earth. The eternal kingdom, remember when we talked about the tabernacle? We said the tabernacle is a representation of the kingdom, that, the, of the heavenly tabernacle, how it had three sections. So does eternity. Eternity has three sections. It's all one big section in a sense, but it's all three different dwelling places. that people. That's why when God says, I'm going to go build a place for you, uh, many mansions will be built. That word mansions is not like house with elevators. It literally means dwelling places. So what is he building? Well, three dwelling places. The new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem is the bride of Christ. But they occupy that area. But now we have the new heaven and the new earth. What does the Bible say? That the kings and the princes and the people that are reigning in the new heaven and the new earth kingdom, what will they be doing very often in the new Jerusalem? They don't live there. Only the bride does. But what do they do? They come and they offer what? Anyone know? They come, and it's open, and they come to give glory and honor as they come into the city. To who? Who's in there? Who's in there? Who's the light of the New Jerusalem? Jesus. So why would there be gates to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west? Well, to give entrance to the people that are in the new heaven and the new earth that will come in to the New Jerusalem and offer up glory and honor for a moment, hang out there, do what they got to do there, to then go back home to their eternal kingdom, to their other part. So we will see part of those people. Like, I don't think Moses is the bride of Christ. I really don't. I don't see how Moses could be the bride of Christ. So we will be in the New Jerusalem, which is going to be the best part of the eternal kingdom, and Moses will walk in. And when I go, what's up, Mo? I haven't seen you for about a week. Where have you been? And he's coming in to give honor and glory to the Lord, and he's going to go back home. I mean, just think about this. I don't have no idea how it's going to be like. But that's, these are just things that Scripture tells us that's going to happen. So that's why there's gates there. There's gates because they're going to enter in and exit out. So there's gates on all these sides. And then the wall of the city, verse 14, had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. They had 12 foundations and the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So not only are the... Not only on the gates are the 12 tribes written, but after the 12 tribes and the foundations of every single one of those gates, the 12 foundation, the city, the foundations, uh, the names of the 12 apostles are there. So whose name is there? Matthew's name is there. Bartholomew's name is there. Think about that. John's name is there. James, Peter, Andrew, Philip, Nathaniel. Isn't that cool? Their names are... It's like they have a special place in the eternal kingdom, okay? Now, I don't know if you guys have ever read. Write this down in your notes. If you're taking notes, write down Hebrews 11.10. If you could write that down for me, Hebrews 11.10. Now, Hebrews 11.10, when you get home and you could go back and read that, it tells us that Abraham, that Abraham was looking for a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. That's a powerful scripture. Do you remember Abraham? He was a pilgrim. He was a sojourner. Remember? He was a traveler. Does anyone remember the story of Abraham? Abraham, pick up your bags and what? And go to a city that I am what? 
that I'm going to build for you. So when Abraham gets his wife and his family, and he says, come on, we're going to leave here. God is sending us out of our, our own land. He's actually in the process of taking them to Cana, to Canaan, to what is now modern-day Israel. So as he's going, Hebrews chapter 11.10 says that Abraham, he was looking for the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. That's awesome. You know what I'm remembering right now? Jesus Christ with the Pharisees. See if you guys remember this story. And who do you think you are? And what did Jesus say? Before Abraham was what? I am. And they said, who do you think you are? You're not even 50 years old. That you could say you saw Abraham. He says, when Abraham saw my day, he marveled. Jesus was about 30, I don't know, 32, 33-ish. And he, he's about my age. And he tells people, when Abraham saw me, he freaked out and marveled. And they're like, what? And they got rocks ready to stone him. What was Jesus saying there? There was a day when Abraham died. And there was a day that he what? Walked into what? Walked into what? Into where? Yeah, heaven. Into eternity. And when he walked into eternity, who did he see there? Sitting on his throne. He saw Jesus. And now here's Jesus in the New Testament saying, I saw Abraham, but most importantly, Abraham saw me. And he marveled at the one you're about to kill. Isn't that amazing? So though Abraham was looking for a, build, for a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God, according to Hebrews, man, imagine the day he got there and he saw Jesus and he said, wow, the place that I've been looking for, it's actually here. It had nothing to do with earth. It's actually here. This is it. So John is describing the same city that Abraham longed for. That's what John is doing here, guys. And one of the key features in this city is it's what? Don't say gates. Don't say walls. What are one, go back to verse um, 14. What are one of the key features of this city? Anyone know it? Very good, Amando. The foundations. The foundations. Okay? The fact that the names of the 12 apostles are written on these stones, on these foundations, it reminds me of what Paul says in Ephesus. Can I read you a scripture real quick? Write this down. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 and 20. Guys, look how the Bible, the Bible is a perfect puzzle. <laughs> it's a perfect puzzle. Paul, totally different than John. Look what Paul says. Consequently, Chapter 2, 19 and 20. You're no longer foreigners and aliens. Aliens, obviously not an alien, but you know what I mean by an alien. You're no longer resident here. You're not from this world alien, right? But you are fellow citizens with God's people, members of God's household. Look what he says in verse 20. Built on what? This is good, man. Uh-huh, keep going. Mm-hmm. How weird is it that you and I, what do we picture all the time? The foundations that was given to us by Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone, and the apostles and their preachings and their letters in the New Testament. That's our foundations, right? The Word of God is our foundation. That's what he's talking about there. What is the foundation of the apostle? The Word of God. And here is Paul, and he says something very important in Ephesians 2. He says what? We're members of God's house. What is John looking at? At this city, at this place where you and I will call home one day. 
at this house. And here's Paul, and he says, and this house is built on the foundations. Which foundations? On the apostles' foundations. Well, what is that? On the word of God. How amazing that when we walk on the foundations of the New Jerusalem, it's going to have the names of the apostles because who are the ones that took the gospel to the ends of the earth? Come on, someone say it. The apostles. And it's only fitting that the reason why people are in the New Jerusalem, yes, it's all because of the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ, but it was through the chief cornerstone, the work of the apostles preaching the what? The foundation to all the world. So the word of God the gospel being preached and the word of God is the foundation of the new Jerusalem. That's why the Bible says what? Heaven and earth shall fade away, but my word shall remain forever. Why? Well, who do you think you are, Jesus, that your word will remain forever? Well, the holy city that I'm building, the word of God is its foundation. <laughs> so you can't get rid of it. It's what everything is what? When you build a foundation, it's what everything is what on? is founded on, built on, structured on. It's built on the Word of God. That's awesome. I could just stop right there and pray, man. That is good. That is good. All right, let's keep going then. And then verse 15 says, And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. Okay? So he's talking to uh, John, and there's this rod, and it's a gold rod, this measuring, measuring the city, its gates, and its walls. And, and measuring of Jerusalem shows how precise God is. God is very precise about the formation of the church. God is a master architect. He must make sure that every part is level, that every part is perfect. Um, I'll give you guys some side notes. Amos, uh, Amos um, chapter 7, verse 7 and 8. Amos 7, 7 and 8. You could look at that later on at home. Amos 7, verse 7 and 8. And then Isaiah 28, verse 16 and 17. Isaiah 28, verse 16 and 17. So, so the Lord is very big into perfectly making this because he's an architect. Built exactly according to the blueprints and according to his plans. And then nothing but a golden measuring reed could be used to measure this, what, golden city? Awesome. What, why a golden reed? Why a golden city? What, city? Why, what is this gold, 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 gold illustrating? It's, 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 it's really illustrating the what? Huh? Pure. Not only uh, pure, but this glory, right? It's a glorious, pure, precious church, the New Jerusalem. If you study, uh, write this down. So I'm giving you some side notes. Sorry, because uh, we could go through all these verses, but I can't pick every verse. I could actually read this one. I'll read this one. Write this down. You know, Zechariah chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Zechariah 2, 1 and 2. We'll read that one real quick. Watch what Zechariah, Old Testament prophet. Zechariah chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. You guys ready for this one? Look what Zechariah says according to what John just said. Zechariah says, then I looked up, and there before me was a man. Right? <clears throat> then I raised my eyes and looked, and behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. Keep going. So I said, where are you going? And he said to me, this is awesome. <laughs> Come on, man, you can't make this stuff up, man. How can people not believe in this word? It's a puzzle. It's, 
And it's not confusing, really. If you really think, it's all there. It's all like, bam, 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 bam. What is the guy showing Zechariah? Well, I'm going to measure Jerusalem. Why are you measuring Jerusalem? Because I want to see its what? Its width, its length. Why do you think this angel, this man, is showing Zechariah measurements, that he's going to measure stuff? Because normally if you're going to measure stuff, what? <laughs> to build. Well, what do you think I'm measuring? I'm going to build something. I'm being sent because we're going to build something here, and I need to measure some stuff if we're going to build it. That's crazy, man. I don't know. I just thought that verse would be cool. Just because God is perfect in his blueprints, in his plans, from Old Testament to New Testament. Let's keep going. So he has a measuring rod of gold to measure the city. Look at verse 16, guys. Verse 16 says this. The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. Another word uh, for that is um, as its width, right? It's wide, its length. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, um, width, width, and height are all equal. So the city was laid out like a square. Length, width, height. It's all equal. The city is a perfect way. Remember the picture? Mike, were you here uh, last week when I showed you the picture of the New Jerusalem? Okay, good, so I don't have to show it again. You guys are all here? All right. It's a perfect square. Remember how I showed its exact size next to our globe, how it would pop out? And that's what it looks like. It's a, it's a perfect square from length, width, and height. And it's, uh, it's beautiful. There's no, there's no crookedness to it. There's no irregular walls. It's fitly framed. It's perfectly built, like Ephesians 2.21 teaches us. It's so perfectly built the way that a skilled carpenter does it. Because Jesus, isn't it cool? <laughs> Come on, man. I could, I could preach a whole message right now. I really could, but I'm not. I'm trying to teach. But isn't it cool that Jesus' trade when he grew up with Joseph, his earthly father, was a what? He was a builder. He built stuff with wood. He built stuff with his hands. And now here he is in eternity, and what is he doing? What he's good at? What is he doing? He's building stuff again. He's a carpenter, man. His heart is that of a carpenter. And now he's building something totally different, not made with wood, but something made with pearls and diamonds and jewels and gold. And he begins to measure this beautiful place. And the skilled carpenter does this perfect square level as he does when he builds a house. So the church of God is teaching us something in verse 16. It must be built without what? Man, come on, catch this. If we're going to be built up, what is Revelation 21.16 teaching us? That we are built up without cutting corners. There's no sugar coating nothing here. Amen? There is no seeker-friendly nonsense here. This stuff is the truth. Whether it, re whether it convicts us or makes us smile, it is the truth. And we can't cut corners. We got to say what it says and do it with love. How many of you could say amen? And that's what he's showing us in this square. It's perfectly built. There's no, there's, I didn't rig anything here. It's beautifully put. No compromising, no accommodations, no suiting to your circumstances. It's the real deal here. Shouldn't that be where we are? No compromising, no accommodations, no suiting our circumstances. Hey, it is what the Word of God says it is. Amen? Now, how did it measure? It uh, goes on in verse 16. And then it says 12,000 furlongs, and, and it begins to describe uh, 
all these different lengths. Well, when we look at this, you're looking at about 1,400 miles, guys. Not feet, miles. We're, we're translating it into miles so you could know with our measurements. So can I ask you guys a question? Follow along with me. Don't get lost now. If you have, guys, 1,400 miles going that way, 1,400 miles going that way, 1,400 miles going that way, 1,400 miles going back this way, but it doesn't end now. Where else is 1,400 miles going? So it's a perfect square of 1,400 miles. Guys, this is the New Jerusalem. is a monstrous city. You remember the picture that I showed you last week? It's a monstrous city. Okay, the New Jerusalem. It's a shape of a perfect cube. 1,400 miles high, 1,400 miles long, 1,400 miles wide. And then in verse 17, it says this. And then he measured its wall. 144 cubits according to the measure of a man that is of an angel. He measured its wall, and there was 144 cubits thick by man's measurement, which is the, which the angel was using. The wall of the city is strong. It cannot be penetrated. It's about 200 feet thick. 200 feet thick. It's the size of an angel. You mean to tell me that in eternity we're going to see angels that are about 200 feet? Come on, man. Mess with God. Did you guys just read that? Yo, I don't know. The, th the wall was... Not only is it 14... These walls are, are literally 1,400 miles up in, in, in length and in width and in height. But, like, if that's not enough, imagine a wall that is... 200, 200 feet. I mean, that's a thick wall. What can penetrate a 200-foot wall? And then we see it's like the size of an angel. Wow. That's a, I would say that's a mighty angel. So if angels are that ferocious looking, how big is God? <laughs> the creator of all things. Guys, we have no idea, man, what we're messing with. We really, we're just reading this stuff. You know that, right? And we're trying our best to what, interpret it. But come on, when you get there, you're going to look at me and say, you did such a bad job that day. <laughs> and I'm going to look at you and say, I know I did. I'm, doing a, I'm not here pretending like I'm doing a good job. I'm doing a horrible job. And uh, I mean, John MacArthur could be preaching this, and he would be doing a horrible job. No man on planet Earth could ever do a good job describing this. It's going to wow us all. We're not going to understand that. I mean, it's going to be just mind-blowing when we see that with our own eyes. Look at this, guys. Look at verse 18 real quick. It says this. The construction of its wall was of jasper. The city was of pure gold, like clear glass. So the wall was made of what? The wall was made of? Jasper. Verse 18. So jasper, um, does, I don't know anything, but does anyone know what jasper, uh, how it's made? If you study, if you look into jasper, I'm not making this up, you could look into it. Jasper is an extremely hard, durable stone, okay? It's actually said to be almost indestructible, jasper. How interesting is it that the wall is made up of this indestructible stone? So, guys, we're talking about these walls. Imagine a wall made out of a stone called jasper. How, what does that look like? How does that shine? And then it's a stone that is indestructible. And then the city was pure gold, and it's so much gold and so pure that it's pure as well. He can't even describe it. 
You know how I know he can't describe it? Because watch what he says. He says, it's pure. Uh, what did he say next? Come on, come on. Pure. Ah, no, not pure. He says pure what? As gold. Pure as glass. What does that mean? That what he's seen is not really gold. What he's seen is not really glass. It's something he can't even... He can't even explain it. So the only way he could explain it with the human mind is what? What I saw was something as pure as glass and as gold. So was it gold? No, but it's as gold. Is it glass then? No, but it's as glass. And you're like, wow, this is mind-blowing. He's like, yeah, that's where you're going to go forever. I can't even explain to you the jewels and the pearls and the, the stuff that's in it, the transparency of the city, man. Why, why do you think the city is transparent like this? Why is it described as pure as glass? Well, we all know that if you drive a car and you don't put tints in it, what happens? What penetrates through that glass and could shine within that car? Light. You're wearing shades on your head because when it's sunny outside, it what? Stops the light or the rays from penetrating to your eyes. But the city is made up of glass. The reason being is so that the light of the glory of God, well, could shine throughout the New Jerusalem. <laughs> There's nothing that's going to restrict it. Man, I just can't wait to get there the more and more I read this. And then verse 19 says what? The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper. Guys, you guys could read all this stuff. I'm not even going to read these because last time I tried to read all these stones, I made a humiliation of myself. But we see in verse 19, it was decorated with all these beautiful precious stones. So he's adorning the city with every beautiful... Guys, can I ask you a question? If I grab some of these stones, like what, jasper and sapphire and all these other emerald and all these stones that I can't describe, and you put them all together... Okay, and you begin to paint the city with all these beautiful stones. How does the city, when the glory of God hits it, how do you think the city's gonna look? Think about that now, huh? It's gonna be like a rainbow, like colors we've never seen. That is why the Bible describes colors we've never seen when we go to heaven, because when the glory shines on this beauty, we're gonna see colors that we've never, that have never penetrated our eyes. We're gonna be like, wow. Just think about that, guys. Think about that. It's going to be a rainbow colors of rainbows that we've never seen. Twelve stones. And I love these twelve stones. They're not just, oh, yeah, there was twelve stones. What does he call them? They were what kind of stones? Starts with, there were twelve precious stones. They were precious. You know what precious means there in the Greek? It actually means there were costly, valuable stones there. Like, like, I've never seen a kingdom like this. How rich can this king be? How rich can he be that he could have a kingdom with such splendor, with such richness, with such value, with such cost? I can't even explain that is what he's saying here. That's awesome, man. Come on, man. This is good. And then in verse 20, he continues. The fifth one is like sardonyx and the sixth like, okay, you read it. Eighth borough and topaz and all these different ones, right? Man. I don't know. I'm not even going to get into that. Just take it as you want it. How many stones are there? Twelve precious. 
12 valuable, costly stones that are being penetrated by the light of Christ, showing us colors that we've never seen. Hey, guys, call that place home. I love when people look at the pictures of Greece. Oh, I just love Greece. You know what they really love there, right? It's the colors of Greece. It's the ocean blue. It's the white things. It's the mountain. It's all the contrast of colors. That's why everyone loves Greece, because I could go ahead and paint those buildings in Greece, um, I don't know, dark brown, and everyone's like, yeah, Greece is nice. But when they see the ocean blue and the beautiful buildings with these white blues, white, everyone's like, oh, my God, I can't wait to go to Greece because the, it does something to your eyes, okay? Like, I can't even imagine what the eternal kingdom is going to be like and what it's going to do to our eyes. <laughs> it's going to be precious. It's going to be amazing. Verse 21 says what? There's 12 gates. But I love these gates. We think gates, right? Metal gates, wooden gates. <laughs> They're like, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, no, no. Take that out of your mind. These are not the kind of gates that you know here on planet Earth. These gates are pearly. These gates are gates that you've never seen. These are gates made out of pearls. Wow. Imagine that shining with the brilliance of Christ and his light. Each individual gate was one pearl. So that means there are pearls and different kinds of pearls. Like, I only know the white pearls. And this, like, there's pearls that we've never even seen. And then the street of the city was like, was pure gold, like transparent glass again. <laughs> pearls. When you look at pearls, pearls, what are they objects of? Aren't pearls objects of great beauty? What does a woman want? Yes, diamonds, we know that. But diamonds and what? Pearls. Why? Because it's beauty behind the pearls. It's elegant. A woman does not wear pearls just to go out to jog. A woman wears, wears pearls for the gala, for the dance, for the wedding. Pearls. Okay, pearls are a beautiful thing. So here is this pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. Great beauty. Not only is it an object of great beauty, but extremely costly because it's rare. Because of its rarity. You could actually write this down. Study Matthew 13, verse 45 and 46. How many of you have ever heard, oh, when I go and see Peter at the pearly white gates. How many of you have seen that, the pearly white gates? Everyone talks about the pearly white gates. Guys, guess what? There are pearly white gates like your eyes have never seen. The Bible talks about it. And the street was of pure gold, transparent like glass. We just read about that, so I don't have to go back to it. You could go back to verse 11. Okay? So all those who travel the streets of the New Jerusalem, what are they going to walk on? What are they going to walk on? Gold. What is that symbolizing? Symbolizing? Guys, what does the Bible say? What, guys, catch this revelation. What does the Bible say we get thrown into the We, as believers, we get thrown into the fire. Come on, come on. Catch this. When we get thrown into the fire, why do we get thrown into a fire, into testing? into times of trouble, circumstances that are very hard for the Christian. The reason why a Christian gets thrown into the fire, what does the Bible say? So that we could come out as what? Pure. Mm, keep going. As pure? The Bible says refined gold, the scripture says. So we go into the fire to come out as refined gold. When you grab gold and you grab it from the earth, it's nasty. You know that, right? You look at gold, and I don't know if I want that, because why? It's filled with impurities. How do you wash off the impurities or melt away the impurities of that gold? You get a fire, and you begin to burn the gold, and all the impurities 
because of the fire, begin to leave the gold, and the gold becomes more costly, more expensive, and pure. You get rid of all the impurities and make that piece of chunk of gold, nugget of gold, block of gold, pure. So here we, the believers, are walking on streets of gold, and that is symbolizing the walk of faith that us, the saints, that we have experienced. We are walking down streets of gold like our lives have been a what? Refined as gold. It's symbolic for the life that we've lived in the faith. Man, this is amazing, amazing, amazing. How many of you can say amen? This is awesome stuff, man. How many of you guys is the first time going into this verse by verse like this and just, like, just looking at every little thing? Isn't that awesome? Look at verse 22. Are we in 22? All right. <clears throat> But I saw no temple in it. Oh, what do you mean temple? But I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. I saw no temple in the city. The Lord God and its Lamb, the Lamb, the Lamb, the Lamb are its temple. There's no structure. Listen to this. Listen to this. There's no shrine within the city. There's no place where worshipers will go. Guys, there's no place where worshipers will go. We wake up on Sundays and we say, okay, we got to go to church today, right? Over there it's like, okay, we are always where? We're always at church. <laughs> We're always in the presence of... Okay, we got to, come on. <laughs> let's have breakfast, get dressed, come on, let's go, we got to go, we're going to miss worship, right? Over there it's like, I never leave here. I'm literally always in the presence of God. So, so the city has no, uh, no temple in it. Because the whole city, guys, do not miss what Revelation 21, 22 is teaching us. The whole city is a temple. Why do you think that the kings and everyone that is reigning in the new um, earth and the new heavens, what are they doing? They're coming to bring their glory to where? To church, kind of, right? To the temple. Where is it? It's the new Jerusalem. The whole new Jerusalem, the whole city is the temple of God. Because why? We come to church because within the body of Christ, there the presence of God dwells amongst us, the believer. Amen? But when we are in the New Jerusalem, who is dwelling among the New Jerusalem? Who is dwelling? It's the glory of God. So we are constantly in the temple of God, in the presence of God. Man, I want to get there so bad. I want to I be there with everyone that I love, man. And it says, God's, it's showing us here that God's glorious presence, it fills all in all. Guys, real quick, pop quiz. How many miles wide? Good. How many mi uh, miles um, long? How many miles high? Imagine how much space that is. Every little inch of that new Jerusalem is covered by the presence of God. All in all. Wow. So, we describe this monstrous city. Imagine how glorious the presence of God is to cover an entire city this big. Come on. You try to imagine that in your mind. It's impossible. God's glorious presence fills all in all. He is the temple. He is the temple. In passages, He is the supreme 
He is supreme in authority. He is controller. He is supreme divinity. He is the supreme deity. He is the all-ruling. He is the absolute. He is the omnipotent. He is the universal sovereign. He is the most high. He is the powerful sovereign God who rules over everything. His name is the one who will be exalted forever. It's all happening here in verse 22, man. It's happening right here in verse 22. He's all those things. And then in verse 23, follow with me. The city had no need of the sun. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Why does the city need no sun? Because the sun already shines in there. And it's not the S-U-N. It's the sun, the Lamb of God. It's a different kind of sun. It's awesome. Imagine living in a world without moon and sun and stars. Rotations and orbits and... It's just the glory of God, the sun. The nations will see this. The city doesn't need sun. The moon doesn't need to shine in it. The glory of God is its light. The lamb is its light. Another translation calls it its lamp. I love that. Guys, such is the reward of those who learn to walk in the light as he's in the light. Guys, first, write this down. 1 John 1.7. Walk in the light as he is the light. Why do you and I learn to walk in the light? Because Christ is the light. And he is the light that shines in verse 23. For all eternity, we will bask. Please hear this sentence. We will bask in the glorious light of Jesus' face. And we will never again experience night. And we will never again experience darkness. We will live in the light as he is the light. 1 John 1.7. Amen? Wow. <laughs> 24. One translation says, the glory of God illuminated it. The New King James, I think, says, illuminated it. That's awesome. <laughs> wow. Illuminates. The Lamb is its light. That's awesome. Verse 24, and the nations of those who are saved, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth, I told you I wasn't lying, Bring their glory and honor into it. You guys see that? So the nations walk in its light. The kings of the earth bring its glory. Another word of that is splendor into it. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. It's a, another amazing, profound revelation. The new Jerusalem, the bride of Christ. There are other saved people living and they're living now, not necessarily in the new Jerusalem where the bride of Christ are, but there's others who are saved, and they're living in the new earth, and they're living in this other part of the eternal kingdom. And, and, and it's very special because we see that they're bringing in their glory, they're bringing in worship into the temple of God, which is the new Jerusalem. Guys, study, study Matthew 11, 11. Um, we read about John the Baptist himself. And John the Baptist in Matthew 11, 11, it talks about was the greatest individual who had ever lived on earth. 
the greatest individual. But you know that he even says that though he was the greatest individual ever on earth, he would be the least in the kingdom of God? Matthew 11, 11 says that. What does that mean? Man, there's going to be people reigning over people like John the Baptist. And you're like, I reign over John the Baptist? Like, it doesn't even sound right. John the Baptist should, should rule over me. But there's something beautiful about the bride that Jesus puts us above all these things there in his glory forever. John, if you want to take notes so you can see what I'm talking about, in John chapter 3, verse 29, do you know that John never calls himself the bride of Christ? Do you want to know what John calls himself? He calls himself the friend of the bridegroom. He doesn't call himself the bride. The friend of he who attends the bridegroom waits, and he listens for him, he says. I listen as a friend. I listen for my bridegroom. He's, like, he's almost saying, well, I'm like the best man. That's what John is saying. I'm the guy that stands next to Christ. I'm the best man. And I'm just listening to him. And I'm giving him the rings when they ask me for the rings. I'm just the best man. I'm the friend of the bridegroom. But there's another person there that stands on the altar with him. And who's that? It's the bride. And even John the Baptist is talking about that. This is awesome, man. That's John chapter 329. And I'm full of joy when I hear the bridegroom's voice, he says. The joy is mine. It's now. It's complete when I hear it. It's awesome. So there's many saints who are saved. They're dwelling on the new earth. They enjoy light of the city. Kings of this new earth bring glory into the new Jerusalem. They're not of the new Jerusalem. Only the overcoming bride of Christ. Okay? The bride of Christ will live in there. The other ones will visit the new Jerusalem. It's a permanent part of the structure. And we, the, if we are the bride, we never will leave it. We will never be displaced from the new Jerusalem. Revelation 3, verse 11 and 12. Revelation 3, verse 11 and 12. Look what Jesus says. Give me an amen when you're there. Revelation 3, 11 and 12. Jesus says, I'm coming soon. I'm reading from another translation, but just follow. Hold on to what you have. No one's going to take your crown. Him who overcomes, I'm going to make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will what? Yeah, he's not going to be removed. He will never leave it. I'm going to write on him the name of my God, the name of the holy city of my God, the new Jerusalem. This is awesome. It's coming down out of heaven from God, and I will also write on him my new name. Guys, they will never leave the new Jerusalem. Even Jesus is saying it. They're there. They're permanently there. They're not going to leave there, trust me, because it's so beautiful. Hey, Moses is going to walk. John the Baptist is going to walk in one day. Rigo, yo, you want to come check out my house? I'm all, where? The new earth? Nah, I'm not leaving here. Like, we're not going to want to leave, man. It's going to be a permanent place that we're just going to be like, nah, I'm good. I'll see you next week when you come back. Like, I'm staying here. It's forever. Forever. And then we'll end with uh, 25, then 26, and then 27. And then the next week... We'll start 22 and we're done. Look at, look at, look at uh, 21, uh, 25. Its gates shall not be shut at all. There shall be no light there. No, 
no day. Uh, well, it's obvious. I mean, what 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 do we have to? What do we see here? On no day will the gates ever be shut. Never, not one day will they ever be shut, and never will there any ever be any night there. What does that mean? Everyone is always what. If I open the door of my house, I'm showing the people that are outside what. You're always, yeah, you're free to come in. The new Jerusalem, for those who are in the eternal kingdom, is always inviting what? Everyone that's outside of it, come in. New earth people, come. Come and give glory to the Lord over here. It's always inviting people. It's never shut. It's always welcoming everyone at every time. But then there's no night. There's no night there. Man, there's going to be continual worship, I could just imagine, continual praise filling every corner of every, of every part of that city. There's going to be obviously no thieves, no robbers, no invaders to fear because we see that the gates are never shut. The only reason why you, that, the only reason why you shut gates is to protect the people within the city. But because the gates are open, it's always welcoming people in. And the people that are in never have to worry about people invading them, hurting them, harming them. They're always in control, in peace, controlled by God. They're in a place where it's free glory at all time. Amen. I get home now, and I'm the one every night that's in charge of making sure the door's locked, going to my alarm, putting my code, till it goes, doo, doo, doo. now it's time to go to bed. We do not go to bed until the alarm goes on. Why? We don't want any intruders we don't want any evil in my house. The alarm would be a warning to us that someone's in the house. You guys see me? In heaven, no alarm. In heaven, no doors are shut. You don't need no locks. In heaven, it's like, stay open. It's never going to turn night, so don't worry about it. Everything is day. Everything is pure. Everything is just right here. Don't worry about the alarm. Man, hallelujah. Verse 26, And they shall bring glory and honor of the nations into it, there's going to bring glory and honor all the nations will, will bring into it. We just discussed this in verse 24. So I don't have to repeat it. These are the nations that are not necessarily in the New Jerusalem. They bring their praise. They bring their worship. They bring their gifts. And they bring it all to the Lord in the New Jerusalem. And then in verse 27, the last verse of this chapter says, But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie. I love abomination, a stench, a smell, a disgust. How many of you guys were here Sunday? How many of you smelled that when you walked out of here on Sunday? Did you guys smell that smell? Hey, <laughs> I smell that. <laughs> Welcome to the Leah. Yeah, I think they came finally and picked up the garbage outside. But man, it smelled. We're in church, we walk out of the church like, oh man, do we have to smell that? Guess what? In heaven it's like, ah, oh, never does it smell bad. Never does an abomination enter that. Oh man. Never a lie because he is total, what? He is always true. There's no lie in God. But only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Nothing impure, guys, enters it. Anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful. Anyone whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life will not be there. There is not anything impure. Nothing shameful. Nothing of the sea present in heaven. Guys, everything unclean and everyone that is not found in the book of life that God will open on judgment day. Guess where they already are? They're not going to come to harm us. Where are they? 
they are casted already with Satan, with every demon and fallen angel. They are already casted into the lake of fire because of the great white throne. So when we enter the New Jerusalem, it's party time for ever. I'm blessed, man, by reading this passage today. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. Next week, we'll get into Revelation 22. It breaks down a little bit more of the New Jerusalem. It breaks down those who make it up that are in there a little bit more. And it talks about God's last commands. I'm coming soon and... He gives us some warnings, some last little words before the last book of the Bible is sealed forever. And uh, what a beautiful, bless you, what a beautiful um, ending to Revelation as we've been studying it. What you just uh, experienced was pretty much what is called, uh, just exposit. It's basically word by word, verse by verse, we're looking at Revelation chapter 21. How cool is it to open up a Bible and... We read, um, how many verses is that? 9 to 27. That's what? 27 minus 9? 18? We spent a little over, we spent about 20, uh, a little over an hour on just 18 verses. That's amazing. Of how amazing. And that's that, I couldn't get to all the verses and all that. I gave some to you guys and there's so much more that we could talk about. There's so many different views on the 12 different stones and what they could represent, but still those people are not even sure what they think is real. And that's what they mean. Like I told you, I don't know if you were here, Mercy, when I said it, but we're going to get to eternity, to the eternal kingdom one day, to the New Jerusalem. I told them, you, that day you will look at me and say, you did such a bad job explaining this place. <laughs> and I will look at every single one of you and say, I know I did. Because not even the wisest man on this planet ever lived can do a good job explaining the new Jerusalem. Amen? I hope today it just triggered something in your heart, triggered something in your mind of, wow, I can't believe I'm going to go and be in this place forever. Let's pray, and then we could do that. Thank you, Jesus. Be glorified in this evening. Take us home safe. Be with every family represented here. Be with those that make up this place, make up home, make this place home every Sunday. I pray that you would be with them throughout the rest of this week, Lord. I pray that, Lord, um, you would move upon us, Lord. I pray that this Sunday, as we've been talking about this series and facing lions, and I'll do it later, and really it's a twist on words. It's really more about talking about how we're called to do it now. I pray that you continue to stir something in our church, and those who have been visiting, that you would... Um, just do something powerful and mighty, miracles in their lives. I pray that we would have an awesome evening. Keep us safe, protect our cars, be with us as we go home, drive us there as we get there. Let us be rested for tomorrow to have an amazing, God-glorifying day. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. And we say, Amen. Amen.